Section 14 of The Jolly Parisiennes and Other Novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Nace the Brunette by Emile Zola. Translated by George D. Cox. Chapter 4 Murderous Attempts. Aren't you coming out fishing any more, Monsieur Frederic? asked Micheline one evening. Madame Rostand was sitting on the terrace in the shade of the pines, embroidering a handkerchief, whilst her son, lying at her feet, was amusing himself by throwing pebbles. Not I, replied the young man. I'm getting lazy. You are wrong, continued Micheline. The traps were full of fish yesterday. You can catch as many as you like just now. You'd like it. Come with me tomorrow morning. He said this so good humouredly that Frederick, who thought of Nace and did not want to fall out with the father, finally exclaimed, "'Very well, then. But you'll have to call me. I shall be sleeping like a log at five o'clock.' Madame Rostand, rather uneasy, had ceased working. "'Mind you are careful,' she said. "'I am always anxious when you are at sea.' Next morning Micheline shouted to Frederick in vain. The young man's window remained closed. Upon this he said to his daughter, in a voice of which she did not notice the savage irony, "'You go.' He'll hear you, perhaps. Thus it was Nace who woke Frederick that morning. Ten minutes later the young man appeared, clad from head to foot in grey canvas. Old Micheline was sitting on the parapet of the terrace, patiently waiting for him. It's cool. You better take a wrapper, he said. Nace went to fetch one, after which the two men went down the steep steps which led to the sea, whilst the young girl, standing above, followed them with her eyes. At the bottom, old Micheline raised his head and looked at Nace. There were two deep wrinkles at the corners of his mouth. For the last five days, the northeast wind, the mistral, had been blowing. On the previous day it had fallen at evening, but when the sun rose it got up again, gently at first. At this early hour, the sea, lashed by the sudden gusts, was of a deep, mottled blue, and the white crested waves, illuminated by the first slanting rays, chased one another over the bosom of the deep. The sky was almost white and clear as crystal. In the distance, Marseilles stood out with a distinctness which enabled one to count the windows in the fronts of the houses, whilst the rocks in the gulf were bathed in a delicate rose-colored haze. "'We shall have our work cut out to get back again,' said Frederick. "'Very likely,' replied Micheline, simply. He plied his oars silently, without turning his head. The young man looked for a moment at his rounded back, noting his sunburnt neck and his two red ears, from which little rings of gold were hanging. Then he leaned over the side of the boat, gazing into the depths. The sea became rougher, and great shadowy weeds floated by, looking like tufts of the hair of some drowned man. This saddened and even alarmed Frederick a little. "'I say, Micheline,' he said, after a long silence, "'the wind's getting stronger. Be careful, you know I swim like a lump of lead.' "'Yes, yes, I know,' replied the old man, in a dry voice. Still he continued rowing with a mechanical motion. The boat began to pitch, the white foam on the crests of the waves turned into clouds of spray, which flew before the wind. Frederick did not want to exhibit his alarm, but he felt very uncomfortable, and would have given a great deal to be on land again. At last he grew angry, and cried out, "'Where, the devil, have you stuck your traps? Are we bound for Algiers?' But old Micheline, without seeming to trouble himself, again replied, "'We're all right. We're all right.' 
all at once he let go the oars stood up in the boat and looked towards the shore as if for certain guiding marks there was still five minutes rowing to be accomplished before they came into the midst of the cork buoys which showed where the traps were placed then while Michelin was in the act of drawing up the baskets he remained for a few seconds with his face turned toward la blancarde Friedrich, following the direction of his eyes distinctly saw a white form under the pines it was nais still leaning on the parapet and distinguishable from her light dress how many traps have you asked Friedrich. thirty-five and we mustn't stop here any longer than we can help said Michelin. he laid hold of the buoy nearest to him and drew the first basket in the depth was enormous there was no end to the rope at last the trap appeared with the large stone which had kept it at the bottom and as soon as it left the water three fish began to leap about like birds in a cage it seemed as if one could hear the beating of wings in the second basket there was nothing but in the third was found a somewhat rare capture a small lobster which flourished its tail violently Friedrich was all attention now forgetting his fears leaning over the side of the boat and awaiting the baskets with beating heart when he heard the sound of wings he felt like a hunter who has just brought down his game one by one however all the baskets were drawn into the boat the water streaming around and soon the whole thirty-five were secured there were at least fifteen pounds of fish a splendid catch for the gulf of marseilles which from several causes especially on account of the extremely fine nets which are used has been yielding much less fish for many years past that's the lot said micheline now we can make for home he had carefully arranged his baskets in the stern but when frederick saw him prepare to set the sail he remarked that with such a wind blowing it would be more prudent to confine themselves to rowing the old man shrugged his shoulders he knew what he was about and before hoisting the sail he cast a last look towards la blancarde nais's white dress was still there then came the catastrophe as sudden as a thunderbolt afterwards when frederick tried to think over what had happened he remembered that all at once a gust had caught the sail and that then all had overturned he could not call anything further to mind only a feeling of intense cold and bitter agony he owed his life to a miracle he had fallen on the sail which kept him afloat some fishermen having seen the accident hastened to his help and picked him up as well as old micheline who was already swimming towards the shore madame rostand was still asleep and they concealed from her the danger which her son had incurred at the foot of the terrace frederick and micheline dripping with water found nais who had witnessed the scene devil take it cried the old man we'd taken up all the traps and were coming home bad luck to it all nais who was deadly pale looked fixedly at her father yes she muttered it's bad luck but when you sail in a wind like that you know what to expect micheline flew into a rage what's that to do with you lazy bones can't you see monsieur frederic shivering help me to get him home the young man got off with a day in bed telling his mother that he had a headache the next day he found nais very dispirited she refused to meet him out of doors again though one evening in the passage she took him in her arms and kissed him passionately she never told him of her suspicions but from that day forward she watched over him then at the end of a week her fears began to diminish her father went about as usual he even seemed kinder and beat her less often every year the rostands used to go to eat a bouillabaisse in a hollow of the rocks on the shore in the direction of niolon 
afterwards as partridges abounded amongst the hills the gentlemen would organize a shooting party that year madame rostand wanted to take nais to wait on them and refused to listen to miguelin's remarks when the old savage wanted to raise some objection they set out early the morning was a charming one lying like a mirror beneath the gleaming sun the sea displayed its blue expanse ripples appeared amid the currents and the blue was tinged with violet whilst in the stagnant spots the azure faded away into a milky transparency you might have imagined the sea to be an immense piece of unfolded satin with changing colors growing more and more indistinct as the limpid horizon was gained over this slumbering lake the boat glided very softly the narrow beach on which they landed was at the mouth of a gorge and they settled down on the strip of scorched grass which was to serve as a table how enjoyable this open-air picnic was first of all miguelin set off alone in the boat to take up the baskets which he had set the day before when he came back nais had gathered some thyme and lavender and enough dry wood to make a large fire that day the old man was to make the bouillabaisse the classic fish soup the secret of which the coast fishermen transmit from father to son and a terrible bouillabaisse it was with its strong doses of pepper and odor of crushed garlic the rostands were greatly interested in the preparation of the mess miguelin said madame rostand do you think you will be as successful as last year the old man seemed to be in excellent spirits first of all he washed the fish in sea-water whilst nais took the large pan out of the boat soon all was in progress the fish at the bottom of the vessel just covered with some water with some onion oil garlic a handful of pepper and a tomato then the whole was placed on the fire a formidable fire large enough to roast a sheep fishermen say that the goodness of bouillabaisse lies in the cooking the pan must disappear amid the flames miguelin gravely cut some slices of bread into a salad bowl and at the end of half an hour he poured the liqueur on the slices serving up the fish separately come along he said it's not good unless it's hot then the bouillabaisse was eaten with the usual jokes i say miquelin did you put any gunpowder in it it's very good but it wants a throat of brass to swallow it miquelin devoured his share tranquilly swallowing a slice of bread at each mouthful and showing at the same time how flattered he felt at eating with his masters having finished they sat there waiting for the heat of the day to pass off the glistening rocks covered with ruddy streaks threw grateful shadows around clumps of evergreen oaks showed their somber foliage whilst on the slopes the rows of pines ascended in regular lines looking like little soldiers on the march an oppressive silence filled the quivering air madame rostand had brought the eternal embroidery which was never seen to leave her hands nais seated at her side seemed interested in the movements of her needle but her eyes were really on her father he was lying on his back a few paces away enjoying a siesta then further still friedrich also was sleeping beneath the protecting shade of his broad-brimmed straw hat at about four o'clock they awoke and miquelin said that he knew of a covey of partridges at the bottom of the ravine he had seen them three days previously so friedrich allowed himself to be tempted and they both took their guns pray be careful said madame rostand you might slip and hurt yourself yes that does happen sometimes said miquelin quietly then they went off and as they disappeared behind the rocks nais jumped up and followed them at a distance muttering i'm going to see instead of keeping to the pathway at the bottom of the gorge she turned to the left among the bushes hurrying along and avoiding the loose stones for fear of setting them rolling 
at length at a bend of the road she espied frederick who had no doubt put the partridges up for he was walking quickly bending slightly and ready to lift the gun to his shoulder as yet she saw nothing of her father but presently she discovered him on the same slope as herself he was crouching down looking towards the gorge and he seemed to be waiting for something twice he raised his gun supposing the partridges flew between the two sportsmen micheline and frederick might shoot one another nais gliding from bush to bush had anxiously taken up her position behind the old man some minutes passed on the other side frederick had disappeared in a dip in the ground but finally he reappeared and remained for an instant motionless then micheline still crouching down took a long aim at the young man but with a kick nais knocked the barrel of his gun upward and the charge exploded in the air with a fearful report which brought down all the echoes the old man sprang to his feet seeing nais he seized the gun by its smoking barrel as if he meant to dash her to the ground with one blow but the young girl stood her ground her cheeks as white as death her eyes darting fire he dared not strike her and trembling with rage he could only stammer out in dialect i'll kill him never you fear at the report of the gun the partridges had flown off frederick winging two of them at about six o'clock the rostands returned to la blancarde old micheline rowing with his accustomed air of sullen stubborn brutishness end of section fourteen